Hello, you're listening to An Adequate Podcast by me, John Paul Flintoff. It's about creative self-expression through writing, drawing and speaking. And it's adequate because I can't do perfect. Ah, hello. It's Sunday evening at 8.10pm, believe it or not. Or it is where I am in the past. Uh, Certainly in the past from the point of view of you, but in the present for me. And I've got to go downstairs in a minute and make some dinner. It's very late, but... The other people in the place where I live are busy doing some sort of exercise routine. So I've got a little moment in which to record this podcast and not be late for my self-imposed deadline of one every three days. And I'm feeling a lot less serious than I did in the last episode. Well, not that serious. I mean, I was trying to take the, the occasion seriously because I was helping people who were going to give talks about mental health. But I don't want this podcast always to be about mental health. Because quite frankly, um, that's an important part of life, but it's only a part of life. So I wanted to tell you about something um, very interesting just coming up. It's the actual audio of an interview that went into um, the research for my book. It's It's an interview I did with my friend Steve Chapman. And I recorded it with him back in the days when you were allowed to walk around with friends. Nobody would even have thought of wearing a mask. And we were sitting in the park... And at one point there was an aeroplane that went overhead and made a bit of a noise and there were some children nearby making quite a lot of noise laughing, which was nice. And um, I'm just conscious that a large number of my listeners, as far as this computer in front of me is concerned, seem to be based in the United States. And hello, you nice people in the United States. Hello, everyone else, of course. But what I wanted to mention was um, that Steve talks about dandelions. Dandelions... I imagine you have dandelions where you are, but they're they're weeds, they're flowers, they're little yellow flowers with friendly yellow faces. A bit of a pest because they come up all over the place, but they're nice-looking flowers. And so Steve, in his talk, does mention dandelions, and I'm just a bit worried you might not hear the word, what with the aeroplane and the children laughing. So he, he tells a story about dandelions, but it's not really a story about dandelions. It's a story about how he managed to get someone to be a little bit more authentic show a bit more of himself, to be more real. And I was having a conversation just this morning with my charming and brilliant agent, Jamie, who you will have heard a few episodes ago, or if you didn't hear a few episodes ago, you might want to go back and listen to Jamie. Anyway, Jamie was giving me a jolly good pet talk about my book coming out, which it did last week, and saying, you know, keep going, keep up the momentum. Well, it it was longer than that, but that was the general thrust of what he said carry on you know spread the word act like the book still hasn't quite come out and it's all full of excitement so it got me thinking about what is it to encourage people what is it to to try to invite people to come out of their shell and be that thing which is so popular these days that idea of being authentic which I have to say I think is a bit of a kind of you know it's not a cure all because I would say that Donald Trump is authentic to who he thinks he is and it's not my cup of tea, but, you know, each to their own. Other people love it. So authenticity doesn't necessarily make someone marvellous. And on that subject, actually, I've just been listening to another podcast. There are other podcasts, some very good ones, much more successful, long-standing and popular than mine. But And I recommend them to you. Um, this one is called How to Fail, and it's, it's hosted by someone who's... Oh, gosh, I hope her name is Elizabeth Day. You've probably heard it already. Anyway, she interviewed someone uh, who was talking about authenticity in her latest episode. 
Do I want to go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I do. But but it was good. But, it, you know, there's quite a widespread idea that being authentic is a good thing. And that takes me back to where I started a moment ago about being very serious to the occasion and talking about mental health. And, yeah, I've done that. And, and, and it seems to be going down OK. Thank you very much, Alexander, for your message telling me that this was uh, an, an adequately good listen. And, indeed, other people who left messages. Sorry, I just kicked my chair there saying that they're enjoying this podcast and that it is perfectly adequate great thank you but it's not all serious so just before i give you a bit of steve talking about how he invited someone to get out of their shell i just want to tell you about a very strange message i had today uh, on a social media platform well let's not beat about the bush it was linkedin it was really weird i didn't know what it meant in fact it was several messages but it said, John Paul, thanks for connecting. Hope you're doing well. And then there was loads of letters and numbers I didn't really understand at all. But because it came from someone who is a very funny comic author, I replied, I'm baffled, but I like it. I'm not going to say who this is yet because I'm going to be talking to him more shortly. But I just want to tell you what he said in the email that followed. He said, ah, OK, well, let's try to sort this one out. One. Lovely to hear from you, John Paul. How are you? Two, thank you for being patient with this weird approach. Three, what happened was I dropped my phone on the floor yesterday and it basically went mad, pushing lots of buttons itself at random. When I glanced at it at 2pm, it was on Facebook, where it was skimming through the page of a gentleman called Quentin Underworld, with whom it was determined I made friends. Four, it seems to have messaged you, sending a picture of me trying to work while a cat puts her tail in my face. 5. I like, of course, to assume that the phone was not just broken but was being controlled by a higher power, Mother Fate perhaps, and who has had our best interests at heart. I'll leave it to you to make something of this accidental reconnection. 6. I should admit that I have had a recurrent idea over the last couple of years. It's never reached number one of my hot projects worth pursuing, but it's occasionally reached number one of projects it would be pleasant to do. And that would be to collaborate with you on a book. So that was a nice message. Um, it was actually, that's, only, that's not even half of the message. It, it went on quite a lot longer, which is quite unusual for a message on LinkedIn. And indeed, my reply, trying to keep it short, was this is the best message ever sent on LinkedIn. They should close it down now and we should talk. So I'm going to talk to that person but I just thought I'd share with you the fact that there you know there's work in progress I'm you know I've no idea if it's because I've put a book out that people are being in touch with me who knows I've no idea whether there is indeed a higher power that put me in touch somehow by uh, means of a broken telephone with this comic author but what I do know is that life isn't always easily controlled people want help with things like me from my agent and agents have to be a combination of what was it Jamie said like a kind of um, person like with a whip and sometimes a person who's your best friend and sometimes a coach and sometimes a sort of listeningy person and um, and sometimes I, I occupy some of those roles and, and we drop in and out of them and I'm sure you listener hello dear listener only you no one else counts I'm sure that you also drop in and out of those roles but the point is that brings me to Steve and Steve Chapman, is, he figures quite a lot in my book. I met him first when we went on a theatrical improvisation course run by the legendary 
Keith Johnston, legendary to people who've heard that legend, but totally unknown otherwise. Um, and anyway, I got on very well with Steve. We did lots of improvisation together. He's a wonderfully creative and open-minded chap. And as I said some minutes ago now, I should think, I went for a walk with him while researching my book about public speaking and asked him, Steve, about the time when he was engaged to make somebody, to help somebody, to encourage somebody, to whip somebody, to invite somebody to be more authentic. So over to that conversation that we had. All of my work fundamentally is about an exploration of not knowing and the creative potential in not knowing. And, and that came from the, one of the very first creative adventures, bits of coaching that I did, when I was still half in the corporate environment. Um, I was part-time doing my own thing. And that was a guy that wanted to learn about being more free and spontaneous. And it's just rather why, than doing... Why did he want to learn that? I think he's, he's, um, he'd had lots of feedback. I mean, he was very senior. He was like senior vice president of finance or something like in that. In what kind in, of an organisation? In the pharmaceutical organisation. Um, and had got there through a certain means and then his team was saying, you don't seem very human, you seem very, very, not even controlling, but just dull, I think, um, not very inspiring. And I always like to start in experiment and experience. So I thought, well, if he wants to experience exciting and spontaneous, let's just do some exciting and spontaneous stuff and not worry about it having to mean anything. Um, so the first time I met him, I was really nervous about it because he was like suited, booted, senior, corporate, middle class, middle aged white man. Um, and we sat down um, in a little coffee shop at the headquarters where he worked and he told me a little bit about it and I thought, right, this is either do or die now. Um, I could say, well, go away and think if you want to work with me or not, this is what it's going to be like or we can just do something. So I said, I'll just go for a walk. And we got up and we walked out, and we walked out onto this heathland outside the headquarters. And he was talking, he was going blah, 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 and I thought, yeah, <laughs> you're quite dull. Um, and I just saw this field of dandelions, and I said, tell the dandelions your vision for your department. And he said, what? And I said, no, the dandelions, they're all gathered here to, to hear you do your speech. Can you do it? And so it, it, I, think, I think that's one of the things we've, not knowing, I'm just moving my bag so it doesn't get wet, is um, you can't lead people into a space of not knowing if you know. So I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, um, which sort of means it's okay, it invites, invited him into it. And he started doing this talk about the vision of finance, um, and I thought, if I was a dandelion, I wouldn't have a clue what's going on. And so I was, I was holding the dandelions and going, we don't understand. And I said, I don't understand, you're going to have to change it. But he could tell he was getting frustrated and angry and thinking, what's the point in this? And then he was talking about fiscal growth. He said, we don't care about fiscal growth, we're dandelions. <laughs> and I just started playing. And there was a thing that happened. He got so frustrated that I think at one point I got two dandelions, made them turn to each other and said, I don't know what this is about, should we go? And he laughed. In that moment he laughed, it was like, ah, I've seen you. Now I've seen you, that's you. And it's what Zen masters do. They frustrate people to the point that they'll have questions like, who are you? And the person will go, I'm me. And say, me, I, who are these two people? So there's not two people, I'm just describing, who's this that's now describing to the point where they just go, ah, ah. And they go, ah, there you are. And it was just in that moment of him laughing. It's like, ah. And then all the dandelions went, yeah, there he is. 
and then that led to doing the Inexpert, which was the first paid coaching session I did with him, which was taking him around the V&A, pretending he was an expert in museum curation. Um, and I'd set up just enough structure for him, so I think structure is really important to make him feel safe and okay. Um, he had two safe words, which were again and pause. If he said pause, everything would pause. Uh, even the person that I'd like, brought in to be the actor. If he said again, we'd rewind in that whole sequence he could do again. Um, and it was brilliant. He, he went from right at the start when I introduced him as this international museum expert. Who did you introduce him to? To James Wilson, who was working at the V&A, that I pretended was, I don't know, it was from the Middle East or something, interested in learning from this expert. So the whole right. thing was set up. And this guy, the, the client, at some level, would he knew that this really wasn't a museum expert, but I didn't actually say that. I just said, look, everything that happens is safe and confidential, and you may not understand how, but you trust me that it is. So I was really careful with that. And there was a point where he was walking along, and he looked really distressed, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and he just sort of shrugged me off like that. <laughs> I thought, really pissed him off. Um, but then there's just a point where he, he, transi- he got into it. It just transitioned. Do you remember the Oliver Berkman story about shouting out tube stations before on the central line? I think it's in the Antidote. Where it was one of his mentors like, sort of suggested he did something bold. And it was to shout out the name of the tube station seconds before the automated announcer did. So it'd just be on the central line and suddenly go, Holman! And everyone, be, he was worried that everyone would look at him. But he said it, so it, there's, it came a point where the anticipated and the actual experience crossed over and it was no longer as bad as anyone thought, although it would have been weird. Um, and then he, he let go and sort of embraced that in expertise, which was totally liberating for him. And now a message from our sponsor. If you had the chance... Would you change the world? Of course you would, but how? You may want to stop something bad or start something wonderful. Either way, to have real impact, you need to share it, speak about it, in person, online, or both. Most people dread public speaking, and the public speaking course I'm running at Hawkwood College will help you to think about it in a new way and change the world with your words. Over five weeks, you will learn to face any audience with confidence and take your message wherever it needs to be heard. You'll find inspiration and fresh ideas for sharing your message. Learn practical skills to avoid mistakes and embellish what's good. You'll be able to give and receive mutual support. The course is for you if you feel driven to share something important beyond your immediate circle. It may be something with national or international significance, or it may be something less obviously important but with real potential to brighten people's lives. In this course you'll learn how to understand your audience, select and shape your material depending on whether you aim to unsettle or reassure, polish your talk for best effect, memorize what you need to remember and be prepared to go off script if necessary and deliver your talk powerfully even or especially when you look visibly nervous. The dates are April the 5th, 12th, 19th, 26th and May the 3rd for one hour each evening, early evening. I do hope that you'll come. If you want to find out how to enrol on that course, please check out the events page at Hawkwood College, which is 
hawkwoodcollege.co.uk. Thank you. In the next episode, we're going to be hearing from somebody who gives a blow-by-blow account of delivering a first-ever wedding speech. My friends were like, oh, we knew you were nervous. And you obviously, you were nervous. I was nervous. I didn't do the best delivery. But two individuals came up to me who I didn't know and said, that was such a beautiful speech. I'd love someone to, like, first girl said, I'd love someone to say that on my wedding day. And to be honest, that's all that mattered. Thank you for listening to An Adequate Podcast with me, John Paul Flintoff. If you want to hear more episodes on this theme of self-expression, please subscribe. I'm very keen to make this podcast interactive. Send me a comment or a question and I'll try to build it into an upcoming episode. Bye for now.